0: The following is a message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. More information about Parkview is available at www.parkviewchurch.org. Well, faith really does work. And um, you know, I'm thankful to God for His control over our future. There are so many times in, in our lives that we do worry about things that are about to happen. And uh, it causes a lot of irritation. And James in this passage is dealing with us. How do we approach the future, even when we really can't see it, we can't determine it, and uh, we don't feel comfortable with it, especially when it's a very difficult situation, maybe like the Dirksen's Express, somebody dealing with uh, something like cancer, what does the future look like? So James actually started this section uh, back in chapter 4, we began that last week, and he'll conclude his argument uh, this week. So we're going to look at this together about the, about the future. And uh, we become impatient with the future many times because we, we want to get there, we want to get there now. I remember with, when we would have a carload of kids, little kids, six kids, going on vacation. We would take off going to the Grand Canyon and immediately, are we there yet? You know, <laughs> how much longer? And a lot of times I think in life we, we sort of feel the this, this same way. So what I'd like to do is just summarize where we've been, where we're going to go in a little bit different way. So let me give you three facts about the future. Fact number one, we looked at last week, the future is not ours. The future is God's. So we learned three things last week. Because it's not ours, whatever you do, don't plan without God. Don't plan without God. The second thing we learned was that um, don't presume about tomorrow. Have no idea what a life is going to be like. Don't presume about tomorrow. Then uh, we talked about the words that the Bible uses to express length of life. Grass, flower, cloud, vapor, mist. I mean, you have no idea. So don't presume upon tomorrow. Thirdly, we we, uh, discovered that whatever you do, don't put off doing good because you have no idea how much time you have. That's the first fact. Second fact, the future will... Bring judgment. In other words, it's going to be evaluated. How you handle your life will be evaluated. We're going to look at that in detail. We saw it a little bit last week in verse five. We're going to see it in detail in verse nine as well. In other words, our possessions and our resources, since since somebody is going to evaluate it, we need to understand that our possessions and resources, whether it be our time, our talent, our 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 treasure, whatever it is, whatever resource God has given it given to us, they're not ours. They're they're gods, and they're not for us to be put in a vault to use just on ourselves, but it's also to be used for the glory of God, for the good of others. And I mentioned last week, a lot of times, I think, especially as Americans, we get consumed with the duration of life. And I think what James is encouraging us to broaden our horizon a little bit, our vision, and understand it's really more about the donation of life than the duration of our life. Third fact, we'll see this clearly today. For those who are in Christ, the future will most certainly bring deliverance. And we see this three times in this passage that Jesus is coming again, the parousia or the advent of Jesus. Jesus will come again. And so we're urged throughout this whole context of the future, since God is in control, God understands what's happening, whatever you do, let's be patient, be patient. I was thinking the other day, Cheryl and I went to a restaurant and we had to wait for a parking spot. Then we went in, we had, to, we had to wait to be seated. Then we had to wait for a menu. Then we had to wait for the food. We had to wait for the check. And I'm thinking, the audacity that they call themselves the waiter? No, we're the waiters. We're the waiters. Uh, you may be the server, but we're the waiters. <laughs> You know, and yet six times in this passage, James is calling us to be patient, be patient, be patient, be steadfast, be steadfast. Uh, Don't don't get things out of perspective. So what we're going to see, he uses three very specific illustrations. James did the same thing last, last week. Well, he didn't do it last week. I talked about it last week. Uh, He used three illustrations last week. He's going to use three very specific illustrations this week. He's going to use the illustration of the farmer, of the prophets, and of Job. And also he's going to repeat this phrase again about the coming of the Lord will be repeated three times as well. So the layout of the passage is incredibly simple. Okay, so it makes it really easy uh, to preach. So when. First we're going to talk about when to be patient. Then we're going to talk about why. Why should I be patient? And then how. How can I be patient? So let's look at the when first. There are three very specific occasions that he underscores in this passage. And that's when life is beyond your control. There's so much in life that is out of your control, so you must be patient. And he uses the example of a farmer. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. We'll see that three times. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives it early in the late rains. So I think one of the great job descriptions of a farmer is a farmer has to wait. They have to wait on the, the rain. They have to wait for the prices to be right. They have to wait on harvesters. They have to wait to get it processed, etc. So when something is out of your control, you have one of two options. When it's out of your control, you can respond by faith, knowing ultimately what James is telling us, that God is in control, or secondly, you can worry about it because it's out of your control. Those are your two options. You can either wait in faith, knowing that God is in control, or you can worry. Uh, Those are your two options. Verse 8, you also be patient. And he says, Cerizo, establish your hearts your cardiac, cardiac, your heart. Establish your heart. Or it could be translated, strengthen your heart. Or to fix firmly in place the inner soul. In other words, get the inside of you uh, steadfast for the coming of the Lord is at hand. NIV translates it, stand firm. That's a great translation. Be patient. Stand firm. Be steadfast. Because... Uh, the Lord, Lord's coming is near. So when, do we, when are we to be patient? When circumstances are absolutely uncontrollable. Uh, like this individual who ends up unexpectedly with, a, with breast cancer. Uh, you, you just have no clue. Or secondly, when people are unchangeable. And here he gives the example of prophets. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Now, let me ask you, what was the task of the prophets? Now, I know if if you don't really think hard about it, you might say, well, the task of the prophets was to tell us the future. No, that wasn't the task. That was the the means by which they tried to accomplish their purpose. The purpose of the prophets were to bring people back to God. So they brought them the word of God so that people would return to God and set their affection on God. But now what we find, especially in the Old Testament, not in every situation, but in a lot of the cases throughout the Old Testament through the major and the minor prophets, whenever they tried to get people to return to God, we're going to see this in Isaiah in just a few weeks. When he tried to get people to return to God and set their affection back on God, not only did the people resist the prophetic message, but they also resisted the messenger. This is critical because what we need to understand is unchangeable people will not only resist your suggestions, but they will also then begin to resist you. Verse 9 talks about the grumblers who are there. Unchangeable people will not only resist your suggestions, as was in the case of the prophets, they will reject the prophets as well. Not just the message, but also the messenger. So by nature, this, this is us by nature, our sinful nature. We resent and we resist change. We don't like to be confronted. We don't like to change. We like to do things the way we want to do things. And when somebody urges us to change, not only do we resist the message to change, but we begin to resist the person. That's every marital fight that you'll ever go through. Your partner wants you to maybe do something a little differently. Not only do you not want to do it differently, you start getting mad at the person, right? That's a perfect example of it. So let me ask you, anybody in your life right now who's refusing to take your suggestions— They'll resist not only your suggestions, but they'll begin to resist you. So James says, look, when when people are unchangeable, what you need to do is to be patient. Macro thumia. Macrothumia is the word. Macro. In other words, lots of keystrokes are simplified down to one, a macro, thumia, where we get our word thermos, hot. Take a long time to get hot. Don't lose your cool. Don't blow up. If you're going to be successful with people you've got to learn patience. If you're going to be a successful spouse you've got to learn patience. If you're going to be a successful employee or an employer you've got to learn patience. Um, If you're going to be a good parent you've got to learn patience. Don't get overheated. Take a long time to get hot. So when do we be patient? When circumstances are absolutely unchangeable. Be patient when people are unchangeable. Thirdly, when problems are unexplainable. Now, James here will give us a classic example that everybody he talked to knew about. Some of you, most of you, I would say, would know the illustration of Job, but some of you might not know the illustration of Job. So let me just give you enough of the story so that you'll appreciate it. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness. So he's assuming you know the story. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord. If anybody got a gold medal um, in the Olympics of suffering, it was Job. Job got the gold medal. The whole book of Job starts out. I mean, Job is an awesome guy. I mean, in the, in the first chapter, you understand, I mean, Job is just going through life, and he is living a zippity doo day. I mean, everything was awesome for Job. And I'm telling you what, in these first two chapters, life unravels for Job. Job, Everything falls apart. He goes bankrupt. His flocks, his servants are murdered. His ten kids are killed in a tornado. He gets some incurable and painful disease. I mean, in just a moment of a chapter, he loses everything. He loses his family. He loses his friends. He loses his finances. He is suffering in every way imaginable. He is suffering materially, mentally, physically, emotionally, every possible way he's suffering. He's lost everything. And then in chapter 2, verse 9, his wife comes up to him and says, Job, why don't you curse God and die? And you think you got problems. <laughs> I mean, the devil takes away everything and anything of value and leaves a nagging wife. He goes, Lord, why don't you be so gracious as to take her, you know, (laughs) leave everything else? (laughs) That's not the way it works. Uh, You know the hardest thing of the whole deal is, the worst part of the whole deal is? Listen, Job had absolutely no idea why he was going through this. He had no idea why he was suffering. And for 37 chapters, he doesn't hear a word from God. 37 chapters. All he hears from are these three friends telling him it's because of his sin. Of all people, Of all people who have ever lived in the world, he is the one who probably has the right to ask the question, why me? Why me? Let me just tell you, folks. You write, stick it down in your notes. Take out a pen, write it down. Life is not fair. Write it down. Life is not fair. I'll tell you what else to write down in your little note. God's purpose for your life is not to make you happy. It's to make you Christ-like. It's for that your life will bring glory to God. It's not to make you happy. Life isn't fair. But through all of those unexplained problems job maintained his faith in god i love the verse the the phrases that are used verse 8 strengthen inner self verse 11 remain steadfast listen we need to maintain our patience when circumstances are absolutely uncontrollable when people are unchangeable, when problems are totally unexplainable. That's when you need patience. That's the when. What about the why? Why should I be patient? And James gives us three reasons. Be patient, first of all, because God is in control. Verse 8, you also be patient. Here it is again. Strengthen or establish your hearts. Stand firm for the parousia, the coming of the Lord is at hand. That word coming could be translated the advent. The advent of the Lord is at hand. Sort of makes me want to stand up and sing that song, doesn't it? Oh, advent guide, oh, advent guide. No. <laughs> um, the, why, why, why? The coming of the Lord is at hand. This, this passage isn't just about facing trouble. It's facing trouble in the light of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. See that over and over and over in this passage. That's how you face the future. God's in control. And so the New Testament uses these different words to describe the second coming of Christ. Like we get our word epiphany, epiphania, the, the appearance of a God to a worshiper, the apocalypse or apocalypsis is the word, the unveiling, or the parousia, the word that we use here, advent, coming of a king, visiting of a king, not only coming of a king to his kingdom, but coming of a king to a kingdom to judge the enemies, and we see that in this passage as well. So three different times in this passage, James assures us that Jesus is coming. His coming is near. And uh, that's a, a wonderful hope for believers. That's why we have the Advent guide uh, to remind us. That only five, five weeks. Can you believe Christmas is just a little over five weeks away? It's unbelievable. But um, basically, he's just saying, look, everything is on schedule. Nothing's late. Everything's moving toward a climax. God is in control. So we can conclude that, you know, God's purpose for your life is greater far greater than any problem you're remotely going through in life. So you, verse 8, be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Stand firm. So although a situation might seem out of, might seem out of my control, there's absolutely no circumstances out of God's control. Not like Job. Hey, that's why we have the book. Job had no clue that God was in control of this whole thing behind the scenes. All all he knew was he was going through all this stuff and had no idea why. So be patient. Everything is working out according to God's divine sovereign time clock so why be patient? God's in control. Secondly, because God rewards patience. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. Circle that word blessed, and uh, that's exactly what happened with Job at the end of his life. It pays to be patient, James is telling us. I mean, tell me, doesn't it pay to be patient with your wife or with your husband or with your kids? It pays to be patient. Does it pay to be patient with your teachers or your boss or your employees or your employers? Yeah, it absolutely pays to be patient. It pays to be patient with the people you work with or live with. You're happier. Uh, Your character gets developed more into the very character of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, You reach your goals. You're respected. There are a lot of benefits here on earth just to be patient with others but we also find out that there are also reasons to be patient beyond this earth on the other side of heaven. Matthew 5, blessed are you when others revile you or persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. What's it say? Rejoice. Be glad for your, what's the next word? Your reward is great in heaven. For so they, and he goes right back to the prophets, so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. James is just saying, look, when people put you down, when, when people criticize you, when they're on your case, be patient. Not only do you get rewards on this earth, your character gets to grow, you get respected by others. Also, in heaven, there's a reward. So the next time somebody takes a swing at you, either verbally or physically, ask yourself, is it worth me giving up my rewards to respond? Is it worth me giving up my rewards in terms of the development of my character, uh, my life, uh, respect from others? Is it worth giving up my rewards in heaven? Wouldn't it be far better to respond with macrothumia, take a long time to get high? Wouldn't it be better to respond so that I'll I'll have the opportunity to Rejoice and be glad. The other option, verse 9, grumble. Murmur, grumble, complain. That's the other option. So we need to be patient because God is in control. God's going to reward patience. And thirdly, because God is working all things out. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job. You've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So a, de- a delay, just because you're seeing a delay, doesn't mean a denial. That's the, the whole story of Job, who sees nothing behind the scenes. Philip Brooks, who was a very famous Episcopal bishop, he was an incredible writer, a speaker, a pastor for years. It was back in the 1800s, so you probably aren't familiar with it. He's not on the latest podcast, put it that way. Uh, but he was just an incredible guy, but he was just... He was like a caged lion. You know, and and finally his secretary, a couple of people who were working with him as secretary said, you know, Pastor, what's the matter? And he's just uncontrollable almost. And he said, It's because I'm in a hurry and God's not. <laughs> and I <I'm> think, <laughs> been there, done that. Have you ever felt that way? I mean, So there's one option. God's doing stuff behind the scenes. Job, like, we're here. So if we don't see something happening, by golly, instead of being patient, we're going to make things happen. We're going to push. We're going to make. We're going to do, do, do. Because we're in a hurry and God's not. Instead of waiting, we push. And we can do that with our jobs. We can do it with our careers. We can do it with our finances. We can do it with our marriage. We can do it with our relationships. We can even do it in the church. So our hands might be tied, but I'll tell you what. We might think from our viewpoint, it's an uncontrollable situation, but from God's viewpoint, it's not. It's not uncontrollable. So what we need to do, Matthew 5, verse 12, Instead of grumbling, verse 9, Matthew 5, 12, we rejoice, we be glad. Matthew 5, we be patient. We continue to trust. We thank God in advance. That's your response. Rejoice, you're glad, you be patient, you trust God, you thank God in advance. Can I give you... So confession. Here's a confession. I was sitting at a recital. Three grandkids, three of the 19, had piano recitals. So only one miserable day. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) So... But the hard part, the hard part, I wanted to go to that wrestling meet so bad. I had it on my calendar for six months. I wanted to go there. And, I had, and Cheryl said, but Jeff, three of our grandkids are having a piano recital. You know what you should do. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I want to go to the wrestling meet. So I'm at the piano recital, and I'm thinking through this passage. I had it on my phone. I'm looking at my phone, and I'm going, oh, man, here are two verses that we've got to have all right, so write them down. They're not in your notes. Write them down. Under thank God in advance, write down. And both of them, the, the, big, the big numbers, the chapters are five. Write down Ephesians 5.20 and write down 1 Thessalonians 5.18. So Ephesians 5.20, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Uh, Ephesians 5.20 says, give thanks. Anybody know the next word? Always. Give thanks Always, and then the next one, 1 5:18 says, "Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks for everything in all circumstances. Always rejoice, be glad, trust, know that God's alive. He's well. He's working behind the scenes. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure." Or Romans 8:28, we know that for those who love God, all things, and it's actually synergia, present tense, all things are currently, presently working together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. In every circumstance in your life, God is working. So be patient. Now again, I have no idea what you've brought here this morning. You could be going through something like breast cancer. You could be going through losing a job. You could be going through uh, relational difficulty. You could be going through something hard in your family, something hard in your neighborhood, something hard at work, whether it's financially or relationally or health or job. Um, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I can say that God is working in that problem. So like Job... Be patient. Be patient. Trust him. So that leads us to a third question, and that's how? How am I to be patient? What am I supposed to do while I'm being patient? Do I just sit here twiddling my thumbs? Do I just sit here on my blessed assurance? What do I do while I'm supposed to be patient? So James goes, he says, here, I've just given you three illustrations to teach you what to do. I've given you an illustration of the farmer, of the prophets, and of Job. What did they do while you're waiting on God? First, the farmer. What did the farmer do? Verse 7, he waited expectantly that's what you do. You wait expectantly. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. In other words, I've got to expect a harvest. It's not just sit there doing nothing. It's in faith expectantly knowing that God's at work, at work that he's doing something. If you're expecting God to do something, then it is going to make a difference in your life. Like a farmer, if he's planted the crops and he knows the harvest is coming, by faith he knows the the harvest is coming. So he's starting to work on the harvester, starting to grease the machine, getting the the gears and the sprockets all in line and and working together. Uh, He's getting all that preparation done. So you demonstrate it. In other words, if the answer came today, are you ready for the answer? Just like if you're going to have a baby. You know, you, you get ready for the baby. You don't wait, and all of a sudden you go, oh, I'm really feeling sort of sick today. My stomach, I don't know. Wow, a baby! You know, you know, you know it's coming. It's, you know, you wait expectantly. You've already got the room ready. You know, you're, you're, you're doing, you're getting ready for the answer. Okay, so waiting is a time to prepare for the answer. Secondly, you wait quietly like the prophets. Um, you know, what, what James is warning us of, don't, don't be like the grumblers. Don't grumble against one another, brother, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So he says, you know, grumbling, all that does is cause disunity. So don't, don't be like that. Don't, don't grumble and moan and complain and whine and, and, and gossip. You know, my mother, I remember my mother always used to say, Jeffrey, cock-a-doodle-doo, it's time to get up, rise and shine. You know, for my for my sister, she was never like that. Come on, Julie, get up. It's time for you to rise and whine, you know. <laughs> yeah. She would always get up and hit the ground griping, you know. <laughs> she just sort of that personality. She was a night person, though. She stayed up really late. Everybody else went to bed early. So no grumbling, no swearing. Above all, my brothers, don't swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. Let your yes be yes and your no no, uh, so that you may not fall under condemnation. And that really is the conclusion. If you go back to chapter 4, verse 13, uh, 13 to 17, that's the conclusion of his argument right there. If you fit all that together, you'll see how it concludes the argument. So um, when things get out of control, how do you respond? It's good Lamentations 3 says that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. To wait quietly. It's just a picture of trust. You wait expectantly, you wait quietly, but thirdly, you wait confidently. And that was Job. When when the outlook was bad, Job never quit trusting God. He always looked up. I love Job 42.2, I've got it underlined in my Bible. I got a star by it too. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Or Micah 7.7, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. So let me summarize it and then we'll close in prayer. If I can summarize it, I'll say this. When you're going through life and you've got a problem that is absolutely unexplainable, when there's a person in your life that, from your vantage point, is totally unchangeable or a circumstance that seems uncontrollable, what James says is that you need to wait expectantly, you wait quietly, and you wait confidently because you absolutely know God is real the future is certain and Jesus Christ is coming again well let me pray for us Lord um, oh wow we really need your patience Lord um, help us to wait expectantly to, to prepare for the answer even while we're waiting Lord, help us to wait quietly, not not to grumble or complain uh, and and to take it out on people around us, the the very ones that we love so much. Lord, help us to wait with confidence, to be still, to trust that you're working behind the scenes. Um, Help me, Lord, uh, with that circumstance that's out of control or that person who seems unchangeable or that problem that seems unexplainable. Lord, help me to face all of these things with incredible with joy, uh, with gladness, with thanksgiving, uh, with trust, um, you know, rather than just lashing out with hard work, going in all directions, uh, help, help, help us to wait on your answer and just if you don't mind just keep your eyes closed and i want to talk just for a second with the for, with those who perhaps have never made a decision to follow jesus christ um, what i want what i want you to see if you're one of if you're here and you've never come to that decision to put your faith your trust in jesus i want you to see in this passion, passage that three times we're warned that jesus christ is coming again it's it's more than just a babe at christmas he, he's going to come back as as the king of kings and the lord of lords reigning on a white war charger yeah, he's going to come to judge the quick and the dead so um, if you're here understand though that second peter 3 9 says that god is waiting to come back in order to give you a chance first to receive him god loves you so much he wants you to know him. He wants you to commit your life to him. And if he were to come back this afternoon, let me just ask you, are you ready? And if you're not ready to meet him, um, let me just say today really is your day. You, you can open your heart to the love of the Father, the love of the Father who loved you so much. He, he wanted to become a, a human being so that he could identify with you and, and pay the ultimate price on a cross to die for your sin so that you could be rightly related to him through his son, Jesus Christ. So let me just urge you, if you've you've never opened your heart to Jesus, all you have to do in your own heart, say something really simple like, I don't understand it all, Lord, but I do understand that I need you in my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, for my sin for paying that price that I deserve for my rebellion. And I, Jesus, just want to ask you to come into my life. Help me to be the person that you want me to be. And if you could just start helping me with a little patience, that would be awesome. So God, we want to thank you for your word. Help us to be patient people. Thank you for putting your Holy Spirit within us. And Lord, we ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus.